episode one of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. What I don't believe. Right, guys, welcome along to Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Before we start today's show, I thought I'd spend a bit of time telling you about what the show is going to be about, how it's going to work, and the direction we're going to be going in with it each week. But before we even get there, I thought I'd tell you about where I come from with fitness, and they'll give you a bit of the bit of the reasons why I'm doing this. I've always had a fascination with why it is that some people have a lifetime love of fitness. You know the ones, the people who just always seem to be out there at the gym or going for runs or out there exercising. And they seem to be able to do it easily and for their whole entire life. I met a guy called Graham not so long ago and he just his whole life had been exercising and I found it really fascinating. And for me, those are the people who I try to find as role models. And, and one thing I've discovered through my time is that fitness is about behavior. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Fitness is about behavior. And ultimately, we should be learning about how you work in this world. How your fitness behaviors happen and learning the habits that create the change that you want in your life. The difference between the person who's not really fit and the one who's extremely fit for their whole life is that the people who are fit for their whole life have figured out the behaviors to make them successful with fitness. And that's what this podcast is going to be all about. Over the next period of time, God knows how long this will go for, maybe a million years, but over the next period of time, I'm going to be delivering content that's going to make you think about the way you behave in regards to fitness. What I want to do with this show is I want it to be a once-a-month podcast that's trying to deliver really good quality information and techniques and skills that you can look at and address in your own life in regards to this area of fitness behavior. I truly believe that I can provide you with some pretty good content to have a look at what you're doing and and to address some of the areas of your life that you may be a little bit afraid to confront, but if you do confront, you'll get a lot of benefits worth. So here's pretty much what's going to happen. This show will be anywhere from half an hour to an hour long each month. I'll tend to have different subjects based around certain things that I think can make you look at the world in a different way to make you more successful with fitness. For now... That's all you need to know. I'm going to get into this week's show. Let's put some music on and let's get rolling. So we live in this time where we're told these messages all the time, which I find really interesting. And the the message that we hear a lot is, impossible is nothing. We can do anything. If you dream it, if you believe it, it's true. And while... While, while these inspire us for a moment, you know, they pick us up for a minute and you kind of think, yeah, I can, I can achieve anything. The problem I have is we don't believe it. And the reason we don't believe it is because it's not really true. I know that's kind of controversial, so I'm going to, I'm going to muck around with this a little bit. So just, just play with me. But the, the thing, the way I look at it is that we don't believe it. We're inspired for a second when we hear these things, but we don't actually necessarily believe that it's true. And I think we have really good reason not to believe it's true. Like, for example, I'm not going to be the world's best soccer player in my life. 
I'm not going to be the world's best soccer player. As much as I love soccer, I could go out there and, and you know give it heaps, but there's no way I'm going to be the world's best soccer player in my life. There's a high chance I probably won't be a world leader in my life. Although, you know, maybe there's chance. <laughs> maybe there is a chance that will happen. The problem with these things is that while they inspire us for a moment, we don't actually believe they are true. We look at the Tiger Woods, the Michael Jordans, the, the Schumachers, the the top musicians in the world, and we, we're inspired by what they do, but at that time we don't sit in a place where we believe we can have that ourselves. And because these sayings are inspiring but not believable, we shut off our thinking to the fact that maybe we can achieve more than we think is possible. It almost allows us to sit in a place where we just sit where we always sit and don't grow. So on today's show, I'm not going to promise you, you know, that you can be a Barack Obama or Mozart or, you know, Tiger Woods. Today, I'm going to hopefully show you some ways that you can maybe just open that belief up a little bit more. A while ago, I read a book called Outliers by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell, and and I like his work. I think it's really great, and I think you may want to check it out. And in the book Outliers, he introduces the concept to me at least, I'm sure maybe a few of you out there have probably heard of this rule before, but the rule of 10,000 hours. The rule of 10,000 hours states that to become a master, not just really good, but to become a master of something, talented could be a word, or, or your virtuoso in, in music, and you know those real high, high, highest level people in the world, you need to have done around 10,000 hours of practice. In the book Outliers, there's a story that Malcolm Gladwell talks about where there was a study done at one of Germany's top music schools. And they what they did is they studied the top violin players, the, the, the students who were the masters of this trade of playing violin. And they looked at them and they, and they had these different level of abilities of people who were playing violin. And they wondered why, why was it that some students... But went on to become the world leaders in violin, and some just never really reached the same potential. So they got all the students to do this questionnaire on and how much time they'd practiced, played, and performed in the years that they'd been playing. Most of these kids at the time were around the age of 19 to 20, and they'd been playing from around the age of five up. They, they define the three levels of success. So the first level was the, the kind of student who went on to become a music teacher. So these were pretty good players, but you know, in this environment weren't that special. Then they had the players that were extremely good. And then they had the virtuosos, the, the people who were the superstars in violin playing. After doing this research and asking them how much time they practiced, played and performed since the age of between 5 to 20, one thing became clearly obvious. The first thing was that the students that became teachers had only practiced around 4,000 hours in that 10 to 15 year period. The students that came on to become really good players, but not amazing players, had done around 8,000 hours practice in that 10 to 15 year period. And obviously the 10,000 hour students were the ones who became the virtuosos. So that while we look at the people who have been considered virtuosos and think to ourselves that maybe they have a, a natural born talent, that realistically, based on the study, that success is really based on how much time you spend practicing 
the skill that you choose to do. And in his book, he goes on about the Beatles and Mozart and, you know, real high-level people. And and he really identifies that their the success isn't really based on a God-given skill. Uh, that their talent was really based on the fact that they'd practiced a skill for a long, long time, over and over again. When I was reading this book, it, it did make me really reflect on my own life, as you do when you read books. And, and I looked at it and I thought about um, a period of my life that really was the start of a transformational period in my life. And it was when I started learning to play the guitar. Now, when I, I play music, I play piano and guitar, and I wouldn't say I'm an amazing musician. I'm, I'm a half-decent musician. It's, it's a hobby and it's something I really enjoy doing, um, but I wouldn't say I'm most like yet. But when I was around 19, I started playing the guitar and I went around to a friend's house one night and a guy was playing the guitar, a guy called Tim, and he had dreadlocks and we were smoking marijuana, as you do at that age, and he was singing some Bob Marley and I was just really inspired by a guy who could pick up a guitar at the party and start playing the guitar. So I went home and the next day I went out and got the newspaper and, and I found a guitar tutor and I started getting guitar lessons. And at first I was terrible, like I was really bad, <laughs> it wasn't pretty at all. But after a period of time I was really enjoying the guitar, so every day I'd get home from work and you know, I'd probably smoke some dope because that's how I rolled at that time and I would play the guitar every day. After about a six month period, no, it was probably a couple of years, it was probably maybe a year and a half, my mates started to recognise that I was actually good at the guitar. And it's just, at this time in life, you know, when you're a teenager or in your late teens, affirmation from your friends is really important. And I'd never actually thought I was any good yet, but my mates started to comment that, hey, you know what, you're actually doing all right with this. And I have to admit that was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a boost in my confidence. And so with this newfound confidence that I had in myself, I just started practicing more and more, and I started to get better on the guitar. And, and, and you know, I was, I was passionate about it. I loved it. I started playing guitar all the time. And it got to the point where I started playing in a band. And, you know, again, I was just getting more information from people around me. The interesting thing was that up to this point in my life, sport was always the thing that I was known for. I was always kind of a, a good athlete. I wasn't world-class or anything, but I was, a, I was a good athlete. And sport... To me, I'd never really thought about it, it was just something I was brought up doing, but guitar was the first time in my life where I stopped and I practiced a skill and got good at it. And this was a real mind opener for me, it made me realise that, well actually, you know, I'm getting all this confident from my mates, people are recognising that I'm good at this thing, and what have I done? Well really, I've just practiced. Really, that's all I did, is that every day I get home after work, I get my guitar out, I get lessons and I continually practice and practice the guitar. And and that was a really good lesson for me to learn at that time in my life, around the age of 20 and 21. And that's when I started to get back into fitness and started to work in the fitness industry. And, and, and I had this lesson that I pretty much took forward for me for the rest of my life, that if I want to be successful at something, I've got to practice. It's as simple as that. that to be successful, I've got to practice, practice, practice. And when I was reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and the, the Rule of 10,000 Hours, it really took me back to that time, that you know, guitar, that lesson of, well, if I just practice heaps, I'll get good at something, that I can achieve a lot. And, and the Rule of 10,000 Hours was really about that. But then I went on and I did some more, you know, this whole talent thing kind of really fascinated me. So I did a lot more research into the talent and I did a lot of reading into it. And the interesting thing that, uh, that I read in another book called Talent is Overrated was that it's not the fact that you do 10,000 hours of practice. You have to do 10,000 hours of hard, concentrated practice. Practice where there's a purpose to what you're doing and the direction you are moving in. 
I'm going to say it again. Practice where there's a purpose to what you are doing and the direction that you need to be moving in. The example he gave in his book was that when you think about it, most people who work, work for more than 10,000 hours in their life. Most people turn up to their job, spend 40 hours a week doing their job every day. But they don't actually get any better. If anything, they actually get worse over time. So these people who spend more than 10,000 hours of their time in their life doing one thing or doing a job actually get worse over time. And the key to be successful is to not just practice or not just to spend time doing the thing, but it's to actually have a purposed, hard practice in a direction that is right for you right now. Now, some of you may be listening to this right now and go, well, you know what, come on, Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods and, and he's a freak of nature and, you know, and, and there's no way, or Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's a freak of nature, there's no way I could practice enough to be Michael Jordan. And, and I'm not going to say, there, there may be an aspect of the rule of 10,000 hours or, or the, the masters in the world that, you know, then we, we maybe can't explain. But I suppose the question I have for you right now, the one I really want you to think about is, if you were to practice more in areas of your life that were important to you, could you grow? If you were to practice more in the areas of your life that are important to you, could you grow? I know that's a really simple message, and, and, I, and I kind of know that, you know, that, that kind of made, you know, you kind of think, well, of course I could. But the thing is, if we go back to the original point I was making earlier on, that we live in this world where we're told anything is possible and, and we have stars and, and people who are held to the highest esteem who are just unrealistic to us. It's that thinking that almost allows us to not act. That, we, that the picture is too big and too hard for us to step towards. So what we need to do is we, we really need to start to think about how we can create it so that we can create a level that is believable for us. So we can create, you know, the next step in the process for us that we actually believe we can, can create. Again, I'm not going to be the best soccer player in the world, but where am I as a soccer player right now? And where is the next step that I'm willing to practice in a way that's maybe a little bit challenging, but it's believable to get towards? I thought I'd share, I'd share an experience that I have. I, play, I mentioned earlier I play piano, and, and I, I read this really good book recently on piano technique, and it was really interesting because I've always learned piano from you, you get a piece, and you start from the beginning of the piece, and you go right through to the end, and that's how you learn it. So you kind of learn the first quarter of the piece over and over again, and then when you're comfortable with that, you add the next point to the piece, and so on, until you get to the end of the piece. And in this book they were talking about with regards to practice is the first thing you need to do when you get your piece is to find the hardest part of the piece so you look through the whole piece and you find the bit that's really challenging for you to you know that you look at and you go whoa that's that's pretty scary once you've identified that piece that bit of the piece so it might be four bars of, of music take it a step back so go further further back and finding the smallest part of the piece that you find will be quite difficult and break it down to the smallest section. So there might be a two-count section in this whole song that you look at, and it just scares you. In this book, they mention that then what you want to do is just to practice that bit over and over and over again until you're comfortable with that bit. So it might just be two seconds worth of music that you continue over and over and over again. After a period of time of practicing that bit, you will get better. Then what you do is you expand that bit to maybe four seconds of music or, or six seconds and then you again you just continuously practice 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 
it really changed the way I play piano because what I used to do is just get the piece and start from the beginning to the finish and, and often the hardest part of the piece is not at the start and so you kind of get the first part of the piece and you're all excited about it and you're practicing away and then you get to the really tricky bit and you know it's just a bit daunting and you kind of practice it but you, you don't really believe well you believe you can get there but it's just really hard work but what's also interesting at the same time is when you're not achieving the PI playing is you start to feel that you're a bad piano player you know, I'm, I'm never going to be good because I can never get this bit. So you get these songs you work on. I've had songs, and I'll be really honest with you, I've had some songs that I've spent hours and hours in, but there's just one part of the song that I can't get, or I couldn't get in the past. And so I end up giving up on the song, and, and I could probably play two-thirds of the song really, really well. But that last third, or maybe even less than that, you know, the last bit of the song really holds me back. So I never complete the song, and I can never play the whole song really well. Plus, at that time, same time, I'm also affirming to myself that maybe I'm never going to be a great player. When I learned this technique, it totally changed my thinking, and it totally changed the way I play piano. Now when I get these pieces, I find the hard bit, I break it down to the smallest level possible. I break it down to, you know, like, really two seconds, I go that silly with it. And I just practice over and over, like two fingers, back, 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 back. And I get comfortable with that point, and then I grow the learning of the song as I go along. The funny thing is, is that now that I have this technique that really works for me, is I believe I can be a really great player. Because I've, I've kind of gone on two lessons that I've learned in life. A, that success really, a lot of success is just skills. And skills can be practiced. And then if I can break down those skills to the smallest component possible that is believable and achievable for me right now, I know I can achieve Think about an area in your life right now. Think about something you choose to do. It can be a hobby. It can be a work. It can be anything you consider a skill. You know, maybe an area of your life. Think about where you are right now and where the next step would be and what you need to do to move towards that next step. But as you think about this, I want you to really think about breaking it down to the next step as the smallest step possible. So if you're moving in a forward direction, you would only really be moving an inch forward. Really think about that. Instead of trying to take big leaps forward in your movement of life, actually think about just trying to take an inch step forward. And then when you look at that skill, that area you've just identified, and you realize what is the next inch movement forward for me to achieve, it makes you what makes it more believable, doesn't it? Because you go to yourself, okay, well, for me, I need to learn, I go back to my piano example, I need to learn uh, the C minor scale. And the next step for me there is to get the last movement in that with my finger pattern happening. So then I will practice that bit over and over again. I've stretched myself, but I haven't stretched myself too much that it, that it damages me or scares me. I've been able to do it in a way that's really realistic to, to the next step, that, that inch movement forward in the direction I want to go. So if we start to look at this and we look at the areas of our life and the things we do, once we understand that we can develop skills, that skills really lead to success, and that really it's just about breaking it down to the smallest inch step forward, then we can really achieve a, a lot with you know what we're doing in our life. So now that we've kind of added in this this aspect that you know practice does equal growth and you know an opportunity, I suppose, and that to really break it down to the smallest level, I suppose the next question I have for you is, what is a skill? You know, what things in life are skills? You know, you have your obvious things, like if you're going to play piano, it's a skill that you practice over and over again. But 
to me, there are a lot of things in life that are skills that you would consider everyday things. And, and I suppose where I'm going with this is, are your behaviours a skill? Are your behaviours something that you can practice over and over and over again in a way to improve the behaviours so you become a better version of you based on what you want in your life? I'm a big advocate of not telling you how to live your life. I don't know what's important for your life. Uh, uh, you know, that's, those are the decisions you have to make. But when you look at the habits in your life, can you develop those habits so that they become better in a way that is important to you? Let's look at, for example, your exercise habit. Now, for some of you listening to the show, you're probably really great at exercise. And, and I suppose, based on what I'm talking about now, I would argue that you've learned the skills it takes to be a good exerciser, or the behaviours maybe is probably a better word, that it takes to be a good exerciser. I'm a true believer that, you know, the people who are going to have this lifetime love of fitness that I talked about in the introduction, that they have figured out the behaviours it takes. They know when they have to prepare for a training session. They know the habits they have to overcome. They know for example, to pack their bags at night because that works for them before they go to gym. Or they know that exercising in the afternoon is best for them. Or they know they have to put themselves in a team environment because that works best for them. This doesn't mean all work for you, but the people who have exercised in their life for the longest time have developed these behaviours and these skills on an ongoing basis in a way that it's working successfully for them. For those of you who aren't so successful with fitness, when you look at the skills that you have around fitness, or the, again, the behaviours, I might use behaviours from here forward, but when you look about the behaviours you have around fitness, they're probably not in a way that is helping you move towards that direction. And the problem is when you get to, when, when you're not good at a skill, or when you're not good at something, you, you always tell yourself that you're not good at it. So if you've, if you've got these behaviours that make you think you're bad at exercise, or you know, you're never going to think you're good at exercise because you've got this barrier in front of yourself that, and a history of not performing that tells you that you can't be good at exercise. So it's almost like you've shut off to the idea of improving yourself in exercise. But if it is just a skill that you can develop, then you can start to approach your behaviours around exercise and look to improve them. And if we go back to my piano analogy earlier, you just need to improve them in the smallest way possible. Because a small inch step forward in fitness is better than no step or a step back. So now you start to need to start looking at your own habits and, and, and looking at them and thinking, well, is this habit moving me more towards the direction I want to be going? And, and if not, what's the inch forward step that I need to take that's moving me more in that direction that makes me feel a little bit of success, that makes me feel that I, that, you know, that I can actually take these big step forwards? Again, if we're thinking back to the I believe anything is possible, it's not that you're going to go out and run a marathon next week. It's, it's not because, well, there might be the odd person who can pull that off, but really... You just need to be able to walk for 20 minutes next week. Twice in the week. You need to be able to do something that's just a little bit further than what you are now. But in the process of doing that, you need to be looking at the behaviours and the skill set that it took you to get there. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that, you know, you know you're just going to get up next week and start doing all this stuff. You're going to have days where you get it wrong. You know, I know in, the, in the, everything I do in life, there's, there's days where I get it wrong. There's days where I fail miserably. And um, there's days where the Beatles would have failed miserably. There's days when Bill Gates would have failed miserably. Tiger Woods fails miserably. But by 
trusting that by practicing your behaviours and your skills and by moving forward in a small inch and learning yourself, you start to develop the practices that move you in the direction that you want to go in your life. You start to develop the practices that move you in the direction that you want to go in your life. What's really great about this, and, and I, you know, this is just something I'm pulling out of my butt, but I, I think a lot of this takes away the, the negative self-esteem that comes when you fail in these areas. And let's be honest, most people are failing fitness in our world nowadays. Most people are, you know, we live in a society where, you know, obesity is becoming bigger and people are getting less fit and our children are being brought up in a way that are, they aren't experiencing fitness. You know, we, you know, this is this is nothing new, you know this. But... but when we when we fail at something, when we consistently fail in, in something we know we should be doing, we own it. We feel bad about ourselves. We blame ourselves. I'm a bad person because I know I should be out there exercising, but I don't. I'm a failure. You know, and you hear all these messages in the media and that, and you have all these beautiful people on TV, and, you know, it's just reaffirming the fact that you're not doing what you need to do. But if you look at it and you just think, it's a skill set that I haven't developed. It's an area that I just haven't developed in myself. I'm not a bad person. I just haven't developed these skills. Now, I'm going to commit to learning my skills, my behaviours, in an area that works for me. I'm going to admit that I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. But that's a learning experience for me to take forward to the next day to make sure I get it right. By thinking of this process, you'll be learning lifetime lessons that you can hold on to and move in direction, any direction you want to go in life. If you want to be a piano player, you can practice like crazy. If you want to be the top person at your job, you can look at the skills you have today, you can practice them a little bit at a time and continually grow and you will become a better person at your job, a better parent in relationships, in most areas of your life. And it's going back to, you know, what is a skill? When I look at it, I think a lot of things are skills. You know, my relationship with my partner, it, you know, it's, it's a skill we are developing. It's behaviours that we are developing to make our relationship stronger. Sure, there's emotion involved and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you can look at the activities that you do in your life. You can look at where you are in your skill set with these, where the next step is, and how you're going to grow in that step. And then you practice those steps in the way the smallest way possible. And you don't have to own the fact that you're bad at this. When you feel bad at this, just say to yourself, I just haven't developed this skill set. What is the next step forward for me? I started this, this podcast off with you know those sayings impossible is nothing you know if you dream it you believe it and and how you know that those those sayings are almost too unrealistic and, and if anything they allow us the excuse to not to not act because that success is what somebody else does and 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 I, and I, and I think that's fear in thinking those things but the downfall of that thinking is it doesn't allow us to believe that we can have growth and that we can have growth in areas of our life that are important to us. But I truly believe, I, re I really do believe this, and I, and I live my actions in my day, every life on this, that if you believe in the power of practice, and, and tough practice, you know, with the right people around you in the right environments, 
in ways that grow you daily in those little inch step forwards. You know, just the smallest step forwards, you know, but constantly looking for those inches and inches and inches that you will grow to a place in the areas in life, again, that are important to you, where you will be achieving things that you may have never thought were possible. So I suppose, in a way, (laughs) I contradict myself, because maybe impossible is nothing, but I do believe that everybody, including you, with the ideas based in this podcast, I suppose, can believe a lot more in themselves than they already do. It's one thing to, to listen to this podcast and, you know, get the education from it and, you know, maybe open up your mind to some of the things you can do with it, but it's another thing to actually apply it. And for that reason, I've designed a PDF to go alongside this podcast that you can buy from my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and it's just a workbook that you can work through that gives you some ideas of where you are with your skills right now, where you could be heading in the future, and some of the people, places, and things you can do to actually take those steps forward so that you can achieve the growth that you want to achieve in certain areas. Now, if you go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and you go under the fitness behavior heading to the right of the main page, you'll go into that section of the website, and under episode one, there is a buy now button that will take you through to a page, which will then take you through to PayPal, which is the world's leading uh, online merchant, and you'll be able to buy the PDF there. Once you've paid for the PDF, you'll get taken through to another page which will have a download link on it. Uh, Click on that PDF link and it'll download straight to your desktop or wherever you want to save it on your computer and you'll be able to have the PDF to work work on. You can print it off and work on that in your own time and own space. I've really designed it to be a not too time consuming PDF. It's just a little bit of a workbook that you can work through. It can just really give you an idea of where you are at right now And what are the small steps you can take in the direction that is important to you in your life right now and the direction you want to be moving in? uh, I think you'll get a lot of value of it. So check it out, Bevan James Isles, and go to the Fitness Behaviour link on my website. So this is the first episode in Fitness Behaviour, and the whole idea of this podcast is to give you a different way of looking at the world that can really advance you with your fitness and your healthy lifestyle choices, one that where, you know, for the rest of your life, you can install some habits that are going to make you a better person through health and fitness. I'm a true believer that fitness is really about behavior, and it's not necessarily the exercise and, and all that stuff I talked about in the introduction. I really want to design a program that's it's just once a month, but really great quality content, so you can get a lot of value from it. And hopefully, by listening to today's show, you've really got that. A few things that you can do is you can follow me on Twitter, and it's Twitter slash Bevan James Isles, or you can become a friend of mine on Facebook, and I'm pretty active on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can also just read my blog. I, I write for newspapers and magazines, and I tend to put my whatever I write up on my blog every week, so you can check out what I'm writing there. One thing I will ask is if you're uh, listening to the show, can you tell your friends about it? Uh, the best way to get the word out there is word of mouth, and so tell your friends and send them through to the iTunes link, and I'll have that on my website as well. And the more people we get listening to the show, the better. And I just love hearing from you guys. If you want to email me, again, just go to my website and just send me an email, and the best way to communicate with you guys is through email so I love the whole idea of community I love getting people involved in sport and exercise and you know get all the benefits of that so 
If you want to email me, email me and you'll hear back from me within 24 hours because it's kind of my rule of email. And I uh, just want to thank you so much for your time today and I hope that over the next kind of period of time I can help you and you can help me develop some pretty amazing content and we can grow with this thing. I don't really have an outro for the show yet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you listen to my, my I Am Talk podcast, we have this big outro and maybe over the next few months you guys can help me establish an outro for the show. But for now, I'll just say, uh, you know, rock on and I'll see you at the same time next month. Bring it on. Thank you.